morning, everybody. Let's all stand. Together, we're going to lift up our voices as we sing Angels from the Realms of Glory, and then Good Christian Men Rejoice. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men, from hands all gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now for glad and golden hours Come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. For lo, the days are hastening on by prophet bards foretold. When with the ever circling years comes round the age of gold. When peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling. And the whole world give back the song which now the angels sing. Good Christian men rejoice. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now lead me to what we say. Jesus is born today. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. We're gonna start. We're gonna start over on this one. Okay, let's do it from here. Ready? Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say. News, news, Jesus Christ is born today. Oxen as before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Peace, peace, Jesus Christ was born to save. And calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. Great. <laughs> Amen. We made it through it. <laughs> um, some songs are easy, some songs are not. And obviously, that one's not. They are old Christmas hymns, I know. But I don't think it's one we're really overly familiar with. You know, but... Maybe do it over again? 
Not right now. Yeah. All right. Good to have you in the Lord's house, looking out, seeing all these smiley, cheery faces. It's a blessing to see each of you. I see Suzanne and Smokey back there. What a blessing. They're back from the mountains of, is it Tennessee? North Carolina. I can't keep it all straight down there. But um, they've been gone for several months and back. We're glad to see you. I love to see snowbirds returning. These guys here, the opposite of snowbirds, have come here for the winter. And that's okay. We need that swing back. That's wonderful. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you for your many, many blessings to us. We thank you for each person who's come to worship this morning. And I pray that you would help us as a body of believers to come together with hearts united to lift you up and exalt you this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. 
our voices as we sing. His mercy is the more. We start with the chorus. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. A love could remember no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, He counts not their son. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness to every morn. so tender is calling us home. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, do every morn. Our sins
Bye. 
would like you to take your Bibles with me, if you would please, and turn to Isaiah chapter 61. If you'd put your finger right there, Isaiah 61, and then also to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read to you Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 first. Then I'm going to read to you Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. Because they both go together. Title of the message this morning is The Messiah's Mission. And when we go to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, we find Isaiah prophesying. Prophesying about God's work in the future. His future. When we come to Luke chapter 4, you find the Lord Jesus Christ quote Isaiah 61. And when he quotes it, he applies it to himself. You and I, this is the first Sunday in December. And when we come into December, we're looking forward to Christmas, aren't we? Now, if you're under 10 years old, you're looking forward to Christmas. Maybe it's under 15 years old. Maybe I should correct that. You're looking forward to Christmas because it's Christmas gifts. But as you get older, it's really no longer about the gifts. It becomes more about family and function and gathering together. But if you're a Christian, if you truly have and love the Lord Jesus Christ, then Christmas is really about Jesus. My favorite time of year. I love coming to the time of Christmas. I love seeing in our community people put out lights to celebrate Christmas. I love that our town puts out the creche every year. That just, that makes living in the Virgins area worth it all to me. Just to see that testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. I love to pick up the newspaper or go online and see where different community halls and opera houses and art centers are doing Christmas songs in concerts. All of that proclaims Christ. Now, even if they're a non-believer, but they're singing about Christ and his birth, I celebrate that. I want them to proclaim Jesus. When we come to this text, Jesus Christ is telling us that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one sent by God to not only proclaim freedom, freedom from sin, but salvation, which is the eternal gift for all mankind. So when we come to these verses, I want you to listen to them closely because they are really about our Christian faith and who Jesus is. When we come to Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Look with me, if you would, over to Luke chapter 4. And here we find the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he picks it up in verse 16, we see him make the application. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Father in heaven, as we come to these verses, as we look in these texts, I pray that you would stir our heart to help us to understand that we come to the birth of the Savior in celebration. Just as the nation of Israel in anticipation looked forward to the coming Messiah, we look back to his proclamation that yes, his mission was put forth all the way back in Isaiah 61. Help us to look and to understand his purpose. And this morning in our midst, Lord, if there be one person here that does not know Christ as their savior, then I pray that today would be the day that they humble themselves before him, turn from their sin, and turn to him, receiving him as their, as their, their Messiah. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we look, and I want you to go to Isaiah 61, if you would, that's where we're going to rest. That's where we're going to preach out of this morning. Isaiah 61, again, the verse simply says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are, that are bound. You and I this morning, as we look forward to December 25th, as we look forward to the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, we look forward because of who he is, because of what his mission was and still is. We embrace that and grasp upon that because it has transformed our hearts, us as people. We have put our faith and trust in who he is. And because of that, our very eternity is secure. He starts off in this text, and he tells us that he came to preach good tidings to the meek or the poor, depending whether you read it in Isaiah or whether you read it in the book of Luke. The word meek or poor in the text is talking about not their economic status, but their heart condition. It's interesting that it tells us that he came to preach when you read the Gospels, and I encourage you during this Christmas season, take some time, sit down in the quiet in a moment, and just read through one of the whole Gospels. I don't mean a chapter a day. I mean sit down and read through a Gospel like as if you were reading one book. Let the whole Gospel speak to your heart. Look at the work of Christ as he goes from his birth all the way to his crucifixion. And I want you to note through that gospel how much he preaches and teaches. 
Sometimes we focus on his miracles because those miracles were there to convince us and to reveal to us that truly he is the son, the son of God. He is the Messiah, the Savior, God in the flesh. But those people at that time, they came to see and to hear a rabbi, a preacher, a teacher, a prophet. They called him many things as they were trying to figure out who is he? Is he the Messiah? As they ponder it and contemplate it, they listen to him preaching. And here you see that it tells us he came to preach good tidings. Good tidings from who? Good tidings from God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is the good tidings. That God looked down at a sin-sick world, people like you and I, and he said they need hope, they need salvation, they need freedom from their sin. And Christ came to preach, to preach those good tidings to those who are of meek heart, those of poor heart. Christ is the one who speaks to the heart. The scriptures teach us that he searches and looks in the hearts of mankind. Only he can toil the uh, only he can toil or till the soil of our heart. It's one thing to tickle our ears. It's one thing to talk to our intellect, but it's a whole nother thing to reach into the very heart of the soul, and the message of Christ pierces to the very heart. Matthew 5, 5 says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's one of Christ's preaching messages. He preaches the Beatitudes, the blesseds are. And he tells us, blessed are those that are meek, those who are poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the earth. Christ looks down today and he looks at you and he looks at me. He looks at our neighbor, our children, our parents looks at the folks of our community and our world, and it tells us that he searches and seeks out those who have that tender heart, that meek heart, that he might stir it concerning the good news. When we look at Matthew chapter 8, I'd like you to turn with me, because I want you to see the centurion of Capernaum. Matthew chapter 8. A centurion, that word century, Center is a word that tells us 100. A centurion was a leader of 100 men in the Roman army. And here we're introduced to a centurion in Matthew chapter 8. Look at verses 5 down. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, a Roman soldier, over 100 soldiers, beseeching him, this centurion comes to him and says, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority and have soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled 
And he said that to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So we find the Lord Jesus Christ as he travels in his journeys. As he goes preaching the good news. Seeking and searching for those with the meek and tender heart. The poor in heart. The poor in spirit. As he goes he comes to a man that in every right should be proud and arrogant. He is a centurion. A Roman officer. People stop and bow to him. He yields power. Power over life and death. He has a hundred soldiers under him. He is a conqueror. But as Jesus comes. He is humbled. He is meek. He is poor in spirit. And he says to Jesus, Lord, I need you to go. No, he doesn't say, I need you to go. He says, I need you to heal. He says, I need you to heal my servant. For my servant is back at the house and he is sorely tormented. Jesus says, I'll go. I'll go to your house and I'll heal your servant. And the centurion says, no, I am not worthy of you to come to my house. But even as he as a centurion is able to say, you go do this and you go do that. He says to Jesus, he says, even as I have that authority, I know you have the authority to just speak it. And to heal my servant back at my home. And it is interesting that Jesus says, of such faith, I have not found in Israel. Now, that means even of his 12. That means of all those disciples who have followed him. All those folks who have exalted and lifted up their voices and praised him. He finds in this centurion faith unlike any faith in all of Israel. Because he has humbled himself before God. And he has said, I am not worthy. You and I this morning as we gather. And as we sing our praises to the Lord. As we reflect on our lives and the work of God in our hearts and our lives. It is good for us to step back and understand that we are not worthy. Jesus Christ came and he was born in that manger. Not because you and I are such awesome, wonderful human beings. But because God loves the sinner so much that he was willing to leave heaven above to be born in that manger. That he might live, minister, die. Be buried and raise again.
for your sins and for mine. Jesus Christ tells us. Isaiah is prophesying about him. If you look at verse 2 in Isaiah 61, it says that he came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was born and his time came to come and pro preach and proclaim that now is the acceptable time of the Lord. God chose that time. And you and I, we celebrate it. Every Christmas, we celebrate it. I encounter people now and then who say, well, I don't celebrate Christmas. Oh, they're missing out. You can go ahead and you can say, well, we don't know the exact day. And you're right. We don't know the exact location. And you're right. And we don't know this and we don't know that. And you're right. But I can still celebrate that Jesus Christ was born. I can celebrate that and I can sing it. Because he came. Why? To preach. He came to preach the good news. To who? To you and I that have that meek and poor spirit. Who are willing to humble ourselves as a centurion. And say, Lord, I am not worthy. For I am a sinner. But go back with me to Isaiah 61 and it continues on. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And then look at the second piece. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus tells them in the book of Luke, he says, here I am. Now is the time. It is fulfilled before you. I've come to preach that good news. And I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. That's an interesting phrase for you and I to see where he talks about those who are brokenhearted. And he says, I've come to bind it up. And maybe in our minds, because we are not accustomed to the language, maybe we think of binding up imprisoning or shackling and that's not what he's saying at all he's saying to bandage up to bind up to heal that wound of the brokenhearted he says i'm here to come and put that tourniquet on to put that gauze on that bandage on that you might see that there is healing offered unto you any of you that are parents you know that when your little ones get a boo-boo a cut, a scrape. The littler they are, the more dramatic it is, isn't it? And they come running in. And really what they want is you to fix it. Now back when I was a kid, fixing it meant more pain. Because immediately mom's going into the medicine cabinet and she's grabbing the mercuricone. <laughs> But just about at the end of your shriek of terror and pain, she'd hug you in. And she would bind up that brokenhearted. And she'd say, it's okay. Put a Band-Aid on it. Maybe even kiss the Band-Aid. Jesus says, I have come. That I might bind up the brokenhearted. You and I that have lived life 
You and I that have gone through some knocks. You and I that have seen, yes, joys, but also heartaches. We know that we reach out to our Savior and He is there. And He is going to reach down and He's going to bind up the brokenhearted. Christ can minister to you. To me. To anyone who's willing to come. Even as that child to their mom or to their dad. Who's looking to the Lord and asking him to do that miracle of healing. I want you to look with me if you would to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read to you verses 28, 29 and 30. It's an interesting text. And I want you to see with me how the work of Christ does that healing within our soul. Matthew 11, 28 down through 30. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's an interesting text for Christ to say, when we begin to understand that he binds the broken heart. He's talking to people who live in an agricultural world. Not an agricultural world of John Diaz and uh, Ford tractors or any of the different mechanical devices that you and I have today. It's in a world of oxen and mules. So when these people traveled and they saw farmers farming their fields, they would see people who had money would have oxen. Less money, a mule. Less money, themselves. And he tells them, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. It's not really talking about personal hard work. He's talking about the hard work of life. That broken-hearted labor of life. And life can beat you down, can it? If you're not careful, you can just get pounded down into the ground. It's one of the struggles of living in New England where it's dark so much through the winter. If you're not alert and aware, it can pull you down. You have to be alert and aware. You've got to get out in the sun, get out in the light. I brought into the office here a little while ago one of these lights you turn on that radiates some kind of special light. I don't know what it is. But I want folks to not be beat down by the darkness. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest, the peace that only can come from God. But I find it so interesting that he transitions into talking about the yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So much about Christ's ministry of healing is built into this concept of a yoke upon those who are willing to yield. 
If you've ever gone to field days and watched the yoke oxen pull. How many of you ever watched the oxen pull? You've got to do it. It's impressive. They have oxen that are massively powerful. And when they drop that thing in, it's almost frightening the way those things just bam and they pull. There's, there's almost an energy sensed in those animals as their muscles tighten and they pull against those weights. I want you to visualize with me back at the time of Christ. These people, they live with their oxen. Their oxen are as much a part of them as your car is to you. Every day they worked with their oxen. But here he talks about the yoke. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest in your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So these folks are used to seeing people with yoked oxen. Now, the only way that yoked oxen are going to be comfortable, at ease, is they have to yield. They can't fight the yoke. If they fight the yoke, everything's going haywire, isn't it? If all of a sudden you got oxen who are pulling and yanking against each other, if they're all of a sudden pulling against those wooden yokes back then, they're going to come apart. Because those are powerful animals. They have to rest and relax. The yoke has to be made in such a way that it fits comfortably. And as they pull, they go about that which is purposed for them. And they yield to it. And Jesus is saying to these folks, he's saying, listen, I want to give you rest as you labor in life. My purpose is to come and bind your broken heart. But you have to yield to me. You have to allow my purpose to come upon you. Let me do my work that you might find peace. Jesus ties his ministry to this text. He lets those know where he had grown up in that place where he'd been raised, as he starts out, he wants them to know, all that you have seen in the struggle of life, I'm willing to come and minister to you. But you must yield yourselves to me. Take upon you my yoke. As we come back into Isaiah 61, look at what he continues to say to them. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is a progressive verse. It's telling us he's beginning from preaching. He's beginning to mend and heal. And here he's wanting to proclaim liberty. Proclaiming it, announcing it, making an exclamation of liberty. It's not a hope of liberty. It's a proclamation of liberty. That's part of his purpose. He sees that sin has captivated the hearts and souls of humanity. 
God looks down and he sees people who have become chained to their sin. And their sin controls them. Their sin drives them. And Jesus wants to see them set free. That's why he came. He says, my purpose, now is the time, now is the appointed time. I have come that I might proclaim your freedom from sin, your liberty to the captives. At the end of World War II, our soldiers, the British soldiers, even the Russian soldiers, as they begin to come in and they begin to take control of all that European territory that the Nazis, that Germany had taken over. And all over it were prison camps. Not all were prison camps that held the Jews, but many. Some of those prison camps held U.S. Army soldiers or British Army soldiers. Some of them held political prisoners. People like your preacher who would have stood up and said, wait, that's wrong. They snatch them up and put them in a camp. At the end of the war, they came to the gates. Our GIs, GIs from other parts of the world, they came to the gates and they opened those gates. And they told people, you are free. You're no longer a prisoner. And when you read the accounts, they tell that some of them would shrink back. Because they don't know what to do with this. Am I really free? Others would rush forward. Some were too sick to even raise their head. But the proclamation of liberty was theirs. Each one had to take it as they could. Some were helped along. Others were able to rise up and move forward. You and I, Jesus Christ, came that he might set us free. What is the sin that maybe in your life has bound you, has shackled you, has controlled you? Maybe it's your temper. Maybe it's thoughts. Maybe it's words that you wish you could take back. Maybe it's a spirit of thievery or dishonesty. Adultery. I don't know. But you do. And God does. And Jesus comes and he says, I have come that I might set you free. When we celebrate Christmas, it's not about a babe in a manger. It's about God who cares for sinners. That he cares so much that he would be willing to endure life and death for you and I. He came to proclaim liberty. Just as he brought liberty to the woman at the well. Do you remember? Came to the well and he told her, he said, if you'll give me water. He said, I'll give you water that you may never thirst again. And they have a discourse at the well. And as they talk, he starts talking about her life. And in the course of the conversation, she says, well, the man I'm with right now is not my husband. 
And Jesus says, yes, I know. You've had many husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Her life had tumbled and tumbled. We're not talking about the year 2023, where somehow this generation has decided to just go from man to man, woman to woman, blah, 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 blah. Poor kids, they don't know who their parents are and who they're not, where they're supposed to be and where they're not. And oh, what a mixed up generation we have created. But she lives in a time when it's one man for life, one woman for life. For her to have gone through multiple husbands, her life is a wreck. Her community would really look down on her. Her children would be not well received. Sin has wreaked havoc in this woman's life. And Jesus has come to give her liberty. He talks to her, offers to her that water. That water to where she will never thirst again. He is offering to her salvation. That she might trust in him, yield to him. And she goes back to her town and she says, come, come. I need you to come and see. For I've met a man who told me everything about my life. Jesus knows. He knows your life. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing unknown between you and God. Jesus knows. And even though he knows, he wants to set you free. That's what's so amazing about Christmas. It's a message for the entire world. If you've noticed in reading documents and different things, uh, they have gone ahead and they've started changing, you know, A.D. and B.C. to common era, that kind of thing. But I, I, that doesn't bother me. You know why? Because they still have to figure out, well, what is common era? Oh, oh, that means A.D. or B.C. Oh, Okay. And what's A.D. and B.C.? It's referencing the life of Jesus Christ. So go ahead and change the initials. Anybody with any worth at some point in their life is going to say, what is that? Oh, we're talking about Jesus. For every people, every corner of the earth, every generation, he has come. Why? To proclaim liberty to the captives. Look with me back to Isaiah 61, and I'm going to give you the last one. He says to them, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. See, it's more than just announcing you're free. He opens the prison up. He gives to you and I a newness of life. They must come to him. They need to come to him in meekness with that poor spirit. They need to come with all their wounds, all their broken hearts, that he might heal them and bind them up. They must come to them understanding that they are sinners captive to their sin. 
Why? So that they can humbly bow themselves to Christ and he might open the prison gates and set them free. You see, he wants every one of us to humble ourselves before him and say, yes, Lord, I am no different than the centurion. I am unworthy. And yes, Lord, I have been beat up and I've allowed sin to shackle me. And I need you to set me free. I put my faith and my trust in you, Lord. You have come to set me free. That is Christmas. That is why it's worth celebrating. That is why it's worth looking forward to. That's why it's worth this afternoon having little boys and girls sing. And next Sunday night, as Dee and others have worked with our children, they're going to come up on Sunday night, teens and children, and sing. They're going to sing about Jesus. The message of salvation for all people. It is the Messiah's mission. And we celebrate it. We embrace it. Yes, I don't know the exact day. And I am unconvinced that we know the exact location where he was born. But I know he came. And I know he was born. And I know he ministered and preached and healed the brokenhearted. I know that he came to set the captive free and open the prison gates. That you and I might have newness of life in Jesus Christ. I know my Savior. And I know he lives. For yes, he was crucified and buried. But he rose again. Because God so loves you and I. That he wants to give us life. And as we leave the service this morning, I pray that you would give us safety as we go to our families, go to our homes. Help us, Lord, to be a witness and testimony. For you have come. The day is appointed. It is at hand. And we need to let our generation know. Help us, Lord, to be a witness for you throughout this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's lift up our, our voices together as we sing, What a Mighty God We Serve. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before Him. Heaven and earth adore Him. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.